Well, good morning, church. Glad that you're here this morning. Today is going to be an incredible day. I'm so excited. We are in the middle of Global Impact Conference, and if you didn't know that, that started Wednesday night. We kind of kicked that off, and it was at the Oviedo campus, and tonight will be the wrap-up of that, and it'll be Oviedo campus, and it's at 5 o'clock. Uh, Elijah, here's your phone here, buddy. I don't want to break anything. That would be terrible. Uh, at 5 o'clock, and if you've not signed up, you can come. They're having dinner, There's chicken, uh, fried chicken, which is always a good meal, and so it's going to be amazing. So if you want to be part of that, you can go to crosslifechurch.com slash events, sign up for that. In fact, we've reserved three or four tables for East Campus because we know that we are the party group and the loud group, and so we want to encourage you. Yeah, there you go. We want to encourage you to come. We have tables reserved for us so we can be together because I just love being together. And so tonight, 5 o'clock, Oviedo Campus at the hangar. Please be there and be part of that. Now, part of Global Impact conference is us bringing missionaries from all over the globe that come in that are able to share what God is doing. And so today we have a special privilege. In fact, today, uh, the young man that is speaking to us um, was someone that we had two years ago. He was a former student of mine in student ministry. Actually, his dad was the pastor of the church and probably the greatest in person impact my life in ministry uh, was Pastor Ken Polk, his dad. I mean, probably molded me and shaped me. So if you don't like what you got, I mean, it's his fault. Uh, but, I mean, he really molded me and shaped me about work ethic, about just ministry, loving Jesus and preaching the word. I learned it all from him. And so his dad's had the greatest impact in my life. And so I got the privilege of serving there and, and, and kind of uh, um, loving on his kids. His oldest daughter, Rachel, uh, is in, in Afghanistan. Africa. She was in Afghanistan at one point. Uh, she's a missionary there, her family. And then Jason is here with us and his brother Joel, uh, twin brothers. They're identical twins. And so had a chance to coach them in basketball and we won a lot. So I can say it was great. And so, uh, but I'm, I'm so excited. Here's why. Because two years ago when Jason was here, Jason told us about the plan of Echo Church in Anaheim, California. And I know on this side of the coast, when we think about California, we think evil, we think liberal, and there's a lot of thoughts come to mind. In fact, you said in the senior adult luncheon that they probably wish it would just break off and float away, right? But here's the thing. I'm thankful that there's men and women like Jason and Rachel Polk who are in California. God has planted there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in those areas. And so two years ago, he came talking about it. Uh, uh, last year, Sonia, I got to go for the launch of Echo Church, and it was incredible. And so today we get to hear him uh, inspire us with God's word out of Jeremiah chapter 1 and tell us what God is doing in Anaheim, California, and challenge us what God wants to do with us right here in uh, this area of Cypress Lakes and Quarter Lakes. All right? So let's give a warm East Campus welcome to my brother Jason Pope. Come on, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, I just want to say, first of all, this place is packed. And I was here two years ago, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't empty, but man, God is moving and growing. And even during a pandemic, God can do anything, right? And uh, not just, not just uh, physically, and you guys are growing, but spiritually. I, I remember hanging out with uh, Elijah and Patrick and others and just seeing what God's doing in their lives and others. And just, God, guys, you guys are growing spiritually, uh, numerically. And, and I know this, sometimes it's hard um, in the moment, in the present, to see what God is doing. And just, just take this from an outsider, God is moving in this place. Um, God is growing. Um, if, if you uh, trust me, just, to, just coming and, and seeing this two years ago, and now uh, God is doing something special in this place. 
keep going, uh, keep at it. Um, I know God is going to continue the work that, that he's called you guys to here. But thank you for, uh, thank you, Doug, for asking me to come and speak this morning. Um, I appreciate it. If you don't know, um, uh, uh, just a little more than, uh, than what Doug said, um, 27 years ago, 27 years I've known Doug. And, and my dad uh, planted a church uh, like, like I'm planting 30 years ago. And Doug was one of his first hires, became my youth pastor, but um, more than the basketball team and stuff like that, which you say we won, we did not. We, we didn't win that much. Um, you were a great coach, but uh, um, we never got that natty, but we were, we were close. Uh, um, but we were, uh, but, but Doug, and I say this, and, and it's not just because he's asked me to speak. Honestly, there are few men, mm, there are few men who have impacted my life, maybe one or two men. Um, there are a few men that have impacted my life more than this man. And what's so cool is um, I've heard stories all week of, of people that share that same testimony. Um, so, Doug, thank you for your faithfulness to God. Thank you for how you've loved me and my family. And, uh, and uh, that might not be the only time I cry today. But um, I just want to say thank you. And uh, I know this church loves you, and I, I love you. And uh, I know God's going to do some incredible things. Um, thanks for having me back. Thank you for praying for our church, Echo Church. Um, I loved the, the video right before. There was Echo like six times in that video, and um, that's our heart, um, to, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, to plant churches who plant churches. I know that's your heart, and so thank you for praying for our church. Thank you for praying for my family. Um, uh, just some context for, for you guys. Um, some of you know this, some of you uh, weren't here two, two years ago, but just really briefly, three years ago, my wife and I were living and working in Nashville, Tennessee. I was a minister at a church uh, that I loved. My wife was working as a speech pathologist at a job that she loved. We were comfortable. We were set. Life was good. There was no reason for us to change that situation, but God called. He called us to step out in faith, move our family to California and plant a church in the city of Anaheim. And this calling was clear to us, but honestly, we had no idea how we were going to do this. We had no idea how we were going to accomplish this. We weren't professional church planners. We were scared. We were nervous. We were unsure about this. We, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. What if we took this step of faith and everything fell apart, right? What, what if we knew God was calling us to do this, but it wasn't going to go as we thought it was going to go? Anybody else been there with a calling from God? God, God is this really going to happen? I'm, I'm unsure. I'm scared. I don't know how all of this is going to end. And, and I, I want to catch you up a little bit later uh, about where we are now. Uh, and I'll do that at the end. But, but first, I want to ask you uh, this question. Have you ever felt God calling you to take a step of faith? And that could be anything. It could be anything. Have you ever felt God calling you to take a step of faith, maybe to go on a mission trip, maybe to serve in this capacity of the church, maybe to give extravagantly or sacrificially in this moment? Maybe it was, it was to, uh, to, to be called to ministry or whatever it, whatever it looked like. Maybe it is, is to go and talk to a neighbor or a friend, invite them to church or, or share the gospel with someone. Has God ever called you to take a step of faith and do something? And then the next question is, did you say yes? 
The, the sermon title this morning is One Purpose, Many Callings. I, I don't always have sermon titles. That's just not my, my thing always, but, but, but I want you to be very clear this morning. I think language changes culture. I think it's important, and so I want you to understand uh, this phrase, One Purpose, Many Callings. One Purpose, Many Callings. Let me explain. My goal this morning is to show you through Scripture that God has given all of us a singular purpose, a singular goal, a mission in this life to glorify Him, to make disciples who make disciples, right? Lead uh, people into a relationship and a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And His desire for us is to pursue this one singular purpose through the specific and unique and individual callings that He's given each and every one of us. One purpose. All of us have many callings. All of us have. I also want us to be aware uh, from the get-go that that we have an accuser that is doing everything he can. He knows this. He knows there's this purpose. He knows there are these callings that God has placed on our lives. And he's doing everything that he can to distract us, right? To confuse us from understanding and obeying these callings in our lives. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to, to Jeremiah it's going to be on the screen, Jeremiah chapter 1. Um, if you don't know where it is, turn to Psalm, kind of flip through right past Song of Solomon. Um, so we're going to be in the first chapter there in, in Jeremiah. And before I start, before I read this, I just want to let you know, um, everybody has that character, is that person in the, in the Bible is like, hey, I'm a Paul, I'm a Peter, I'm this or that, right? For me, it's Jeremiah. If anybody in the Bible, of any character there is in the Bible, I feel like I relate most to Jeremiah. There might be some uh, this morning after we read and study that, that might feel the same way. But for me, it's Jeremiah, and I see myself in him. I see the struggles. I see the pain. I see the temptation, um, even some of the calling. I see my life in his life. And this passage has been so encouraging to me in this season as, as I've been walking and trusting, but also sometimes doubting um, this call that God has placed on my life. If you have your Bibles, starting in verse 4, it says this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, oh Lord God, behold, I, I, I do not know how to speak for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. That's important. See, I've set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow and to build and to plant. Let's pray. Father, as we dive deep into your scriptures this morning, I, I pray that you would um, have all of us fall to the background. Lord, that we would in this moment, in this time, no agenda, no thought, even myself, Lord, as I speak, Lord, would you have all of us just to come before your throne this morning, completely yielded, completely open, completely willing to whatever you would call us to do this morning. All the fears, all the doubts, all the temptations, Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize that as the accuser speaking lies to us. And for a moment this morning, you would help us to trust 
to be yielded and open and ready to hear from you. And not just to hear from you, not just to listen to, but respond, to go, to act, to be who you're calling us to be this morning, for a moment this morning. I pray this on every single person here, just for a moment, you would call us to be willing to hear. And as we hear and as we understand that you would equip us and you call us, you empower us to go. Lord, we love you. Be with us as we continue to study, as we continue to worship you through your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So um, one, of, one of my heroes in my life is, is, is my papa, okay? I call my papa, it's like my grandfather, it's my, it's my mom's dad, okay? And he died about 15 years ago, and this man was everything to me. He was, he was my hero, he was my everything, I looked up to him, um, and, and a few weeks ago, I was thumbing through some files on my computer looking for something, and, and I came across the memoirs of Gerald Ruth. It was something that um, I got in my inbox from my mom about 10 years ago, and it basically was his life story that he had sat down with, one of, uh, with my mom or one of her sisters, and they just wrote out all the experiences that he went through, all the things that he did, um, all of his life, and it was incredible to see all of these things, and I realized very quickly, not only was he my hero, but he was a lot of other people's hero. He fought in two major U.S. wars. In fact, one of them, he was, uh, his ship went down. He was shipwrecked in the South Pacific and was on a life raft for two weeks until a shipper came and picked him up. And just the story um, involved with that, he then, uh, after his time, uh, after he served his time, he, he went and he became one of the lead engineers for two uh, NASA Apollo projects here. Um, they lived in Cocoa Beach and served there and, and did that. And, and then after that, he, he moved home, uh, moved to Columbia, Tennessee, and he served his, his church unapologetically and loved his family well. He was my hero but he was many other people's heroes. And so when he died, it crushed me, but I remember so clearly he left with me um, something very, very important. He left with me this bracelet, this gold-plated like ID bracelet. I don't know if you've seen these, but it was a chain, but on the front, in the middle, it was like this little placard kind of thing. And on the front, it had his dog tag number, and they flip it on the back, it had his name like in cursive and inscribed on it. And it said, Gerald Ruth. This thing was beat up, this thing was tarnished and old and, and almost broken. Um, there was really nothing significant about this bracelet. I, I, had, I thought it was incredibly valuable, right? But, but there was nothing in and of itself, right, that was, that was really valuable. I couldn't go and sell this and make any money off of it, but it was valuable. I want you to hear this. It wasn't the bracelet itself, right, that gave it its value, that gave it its great value. It was the name on the bracelet that gave it its great value. Let me say that again. It wasn't the bracelet itself that gave it its value. It was the name on the bracelet that was inscribed on the bracelet that meant so much to me. And the same is true for us. God has made you and he has inscribed his name across your life. And like that bracelet, your ultimate value is found in one thing. That inscription, that signature, that name, you're valuable because God says that you are. Does that make sense, church, this morning? You are valuable because God says that you are. But because of sin and rebellion against God, our relationship with him has been broken, right? It's been broken. We are unable to live as God intended us to live. But, right, but there is good news for those who are in Christ. But 
The good news is that God can redeem us through his son, Jesus Christ. Begin to restore in us this new life that can can become closer and closer in his likeness. We can become closer and closer to what God has intended us to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is Christ, he is a what? A new creation. Let's go, right? He is a new creation, and this is a work that God does in us. In the end, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you. It doesn't matter that anybody says, oh, you're beat up, you're tarnished, you're, you, you can't be used, you can't... Hey, watch this. In the end, it doesn't matter what you say about yourself. That's probably worse. In the end, it doesn't matter what you say about yourself. Man, I can't do this. I'm beat up. I'm old. I'm, I'm washed out. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too inexperienced. I'm not equipped. I'm unqualified. God, you don't know what I did last week. It doesn't matter in the end what even you say about yourself. The only thing that really matters, watch this, is what God says about you and what God is asking of you. Amen? Three things this morning we see in this passage. Number one, you are known. Two, you are significant. And number three, you are called. Now, listen, I know this sounds like the table of contents to a, to a self-help book, and Doug's probably preached on self-help books before and how much he loves them, right? Um, and, and I know this sounds like the beginning to like the movie The Help or something like that. You are known, you are significant, you are loved, you are all of these things. But listen, I want to show you this morning uh, that, that God is telling Jeremiah these things. This is biblical, this is true, and it's true for you this morning. And we're going to break this down together. First, it says that God knows you. Did you know that? that you, did you know that God knows you? It says this in verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Here's Jeremiah going through all this stuff, and I'm just, uh, I don't know what's going on, and I'm so hurt, and I, I don't know how God is going to use me. And it says the very beginning, before I knew you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. When God says these things to Jeremiah, um, here's the context. Why is he saying this to Jeremiah? Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Some people call me sometimes a weeping prophet. Um, He's known as the weeping prophet. Throughout this book, you see a man who is compassionate. He is loving. He's intentional for his people. He he was patient. He was just. But but, but in all of it, he was this sensitive, caring, loving man. If you look at this this idea of a pastor or or a shepherd or or a prophet or, or the preacher of a church, you've got prophet, you have priest, you have king. He was every bit of priest. He was shepherd. He was loving. He was compassionate for his people. God is going to ask Jeremiah in just a little bit to give a message to the people of Judah that will be extremely hard to hear, extremely difficult to understand, and ultimately rejected. But he's about to tell them that God is going to judge them and send them into captivity for not turning from their sin. And God knew Jeremiah, and he wanted a man like this, a compassionate man, a loving man for a reason, not a Peter, not a Paul. He wanted Jeremiah. He wanted this man with these giftings and these personalities for a reason. You see, before the kingdom of Judah goes into captivity, God wants his people to know that he loves them. He cares for them. He's not doing this because he hates them, because he doesn't like them, because they're unused, because he, he, he sends Jeremiah for a reason to go and tell them because he loves them and he wants them to know that. He wants them 
to be saved. He wants them to turn and repent from these ways and turn back to him. And for this reason, he chose Jeremiah to deliver this message. He knows Jeremiah and knows that he will be perfect for the job. Therefore, God is saying these things to Jeremiah to encourage him. He he said, I want you to know, Jeremiah, that I am the one who has called you. I have appointed you. I love the CSB version here. It says, I have set you apart. That's the word sanctified, right? Sanctified. I have set you aside or set you apart for the use of God. That's what it's, what, what it's translated to mean. Guys, he knows every single one of us too. He knows you. A reoccurring theme in the Bible, and this is my longest point, by the way, is this, is this idea that God has made us and he knows us and he knows us even more than we know ourselves. In Psalm 139, it says this, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never Get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down uh, to the grave, you are there. If I ride the, we- the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the forest of oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. If I ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are, are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is, wonderful, is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Are you convinced yet? Our God, who is all-knowing, all-powerful, present everywhere. This, this God in his infinite power uh, knows every detail of our lives. He knows every thought before we think it. He knows everything we say before we say it. He knows everything we're going to do before we do it. He knows our every intent, our every motive, our every goal, our every desire. He knows our every temptation. He knows our every trial, even before we go through it. He knows everything. He knows everything about us. And the accuser will do everything that he can do to distract you from the specific calling that God has for you. And he'll say things like this. Well, you know, God doesn't really know you. He doesn't know what you're going through. He doesn't know what you're dealing with. He doesn't know your temptations. He doesn't know that, 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 that well, all, of these, all of these things about you. He doesn't know. He doesn't know these things. Don't listen. No matter what it is, God already knows. And watch this. This is the most important part. And still, he has plans for you that you can't even begin to imagine. Say yes to God today. Next, you are significant. This is good. Here's Jeremiah's response. Oh, Lord God, you might have read this before. Oh, Lord God, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Okay, so at this point, God has shown up to Jeremiah, is speaking to him and asking of him something. And at this point, Jeremiah says at a very young age, he said, you know what? God, I just can't. Lord, I can't. He was young. He had all these concerns and excuses about how he wasn't good enough, equipped enough, strong enough. But how many of us do this? You say no to God 
not, not just because you're against God, but because you're against yourself. It's because you think there's no way that God can use me. I told you my shortened testimony earlier, but for two years, Rachel and I, my wife and I, we said no to God. And it wasn't because we were against God. We were serving in ministry. It wasn't because we said we were against what he was doing. God was stirring in our hearts to step out in faith, but we kept telling him no. I thought there was no way I could accomplish this task that God had called me to do. I was a nobody from nowhere. Uh, God, I'm not ready. I'm too weak. I'm too inexperienced. I struggled for years with with insecurities. And because of my insecurities, I said no. And for two years, I said no. And because of that, we just kind of floated. And Rachel will have this testimony as well. We just kind of floated, right? I became disobediently comfortable. That's a phrase right there. We became disobediently comfortable. We just kind of, anybody floating, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody felt like ever you've just been floating? Look what the Lord said to Jeremiah in verse 7 and 8. Do not say I'm only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. You see, God doesn't always call the perfect. God doesn't always call the sinless, the fully equipped, the most righteous, right? The smartest, the strongest, the best looking, amen? The most talented people. He doesn't always call those people. No, most often he calls people like me. He calls people like you. He calls the ordinary. He calls the sinners. He calls the weak. He calls the poor. He calls the too young, the too old, the too inexperienced. And God assures Jeremiah that despite his youth, despite his inability and his inexperience, God has given him significance. And he will use him in a powerful way to proclaim the gospel to the nations. And is it not more powerful when God uses us despite us? Amen. Wouldn't you rather him use you despite you? Doesn't get God, God get all the glory in the end, right? I pray that maybe this morning becomes one of those moments. Be yielded, be obedient to God, be faithful in this season that God has placed you, and he will do immeasurable and significant things in, that, in your life. Maybe this is one of those crossroads in, in your life this morning. Maybe from the conference this weekend or maybe from the words we've read this uh, morning or whatever it is. Maybe this is a crossroads. Maybe this is a moment this morning. It becomes one of those moments in your life where you stop making excuses about how you're not good enough or strong enough or talented enough. The God of all creation has made you with his own hands and he has chosen you. He has called you and given you a purpose. Say yes to God today and lastly. You are called, you are known, you are significant, and you are called. Verse 7, for, all, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Verse 9, then the Lord put out his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have set You this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. One reason I love this passage is because I know this about myself. I know this story. I know Jeremiah. I know my heart and my insecurities and all of these things. And I remember maybe 11, 12 years ago, and I was called to preach my first sermon, okay? And I know all of these things in my mind, and they're warring in my head, and they're beating me up, and this accuser is throwing these lies at me, and I, and I knelt down on the ground right before I preached, and I said, God, would you touch 
my lips with, with your hands? Would you put your words in my mouth? And, and from that day forward, every time that I, that, that I got up to preach, even this morning I walked to the back and, and I got on my knees and I, and I prayed those prayers because I know on my own I cannot do it, right? And I pray this prayer. Remember our title this morning, One Purpose, Many Callings. Let me ask you this. What is Jeremiah's purpose here? What is Jeremiah's purpose? It's, it's ours. It's the same as ours. His purpose is our purpose, right? To make disciples who make disciples, to reach others and tell them that the hope that we have in Christ, that they don't have to live a life of doubt and fear and guilt and, and sin, that God knows them and thinks they are significant. He loves them. He wants them to turn from their sins and he is calling them and he has a plan and a purpose and a hope in this life. That's our purpose, to, to tell people that. So that's his purpose. That's our purpose. But what's his calling? Well, his unique calling was to be a prophet, a preacher. Like we said earlier, a man who spoke to the masses and proclaimed a truth to the people of God. I want you to see that God has created each one of us. Every single one of us in this room, no matter who you are, no matter what your doubts about yourself is, God has created each one of us to change the world in which we live. He's wanting to change the world in which we live, all in different ways that God has orchestrated specifically for each individual. Our purpose is the same. Our callings are all different. Now, theologians will debate this, and I think I shared this last time I was here two years ago, and I don't know how many people remember, but, but, um, but I want to explain something that I think is important. Um, theologians debate the term calling. What does calling mean? How, um, how do we see it in Scripture? How does it, um, uh, what are the implications of callings in our life? And, but I want to make it very simple for us this morning. Can I do that? And I, and I hope maybe if there's nothing else that we hear, that we hear this. Calling doesn't always mean vocation. Calling doesn't always come from some, grand, uh, some form of a grand adventure in our lives. The calling doesn't have to be glamorous or sexy. Can I say sexy, Doug? It doesn't have to be sexy, right? It doesn't have to be these things. Here's my definition of a calling. Calling is simply spending time with God, hearing from Him, and being obedient to say yes when He calls. Spending time from him, spending time with him, hearing from him, and being obedient to say yes when he calls. Maybe if God's calling you, um, maybe if God's not calling you, it's because you're not spending time with him. Maybe if God's calling you, you are spending time with him, but you're not really listening. This is calling. This could be, like I said before, is simply inviting someone to church. It could be sharing the gospel with someone. It could be serving in a new capacity. It could be starting to give for the first time or, or giving more significantly. It could be um, going on a mission trip or, or, or being called into ministry, whatever it looks like. Or it could be something else. You know, two years ago, I stood on this stage and on the campus, on the main campus, and I challenged people to consider God's calling on their lives. I traveled around to dozens of churches that year, and I, and I said the same thing. I asked the same thing. I asked, I said, for some, that meant to pray about leaving their lives here and to serve with us in L.A. You can imagine some of the responses I got um, as we traveled all over asking people to leave where they are, to leave their jobs and their family and their friends and their house and their everything, and to move across the country with us. You can imagine some of the responses. You're crazy. There's no way. But then there were some. There were some who said yes, not because I cast vision well or because um, I'm eloquent in my speech, but simply because they prayed 
asked God, and God called, and they said yes. And two years ago, a couple named Garth and Katie Kelly, I don't know if anybody here knows Garth and Katie Kelly, but Garth and Katie Kelly were listening to that message, and they were living in Oviedo, and they were serving at Cross Life, and they heard me ask these questions at GIC two years ago, and four months later, I got a call from, I got the call, and the Kelly family of five were on their way to Los Angeles, and they've been with us ever since. And she's currently, by the way, um, serving as our hospitality uh, director, and he's serving our technical needs in a lot of different ways, and we love this family so dearly, um, and they sacrificed so much, guys, simply because God called, and they said yes. We've been living and serving in Anaheim for about two years now. I, I shared this a, a few days ago with the Senior Adult Luncheon, but we, we've been serving there now for about two years. Here's an update. Our church, Echo Church, has gone through a lot. I think last time that I spoke, we'd only been there for like 10 weeks, okay? Um, now we're two years in, and, and, and God has done a lot. A lot has happened in these last crazy two years. We started meeting in our tiny little apartment. We spent most of our days walking and, and, and meeting new people, inviting them into our home, right? And finally, the first person shows up that wasn't part of our church. On a Sunday night Bible study in our apartment, they showed up, and, and, then, and then more came. And then five baristas from a local coffee shop came. Fifteen more college students came, driving 45 minutes uh, on a Sunday night just to be with us. It grew to around 40 people until Rachel said, you know what, um, they're sitting on our countertops. Either we've got to uh, get a new apartment, right, a bigger apartment, or we've got to get a bigger space. And so we got a bigger space. And so we moved out in, into this nonprofit space, and it, we really started to grow. We almost doubled within three or four months after that, but then all of us know in March of 2020, everything came crashing down, right? And, and, and I know that we aren't any more victims than anybody else in, uh, in this room, but, but, but this crushed us in our momentum. All of our college students went home. Most have not returned. We had a core team members that, that, that lost their jobs and had to move away. We had one uh, member of the church that managed. He was from California. This was one of the new guys that came in and um, he worked at, uh, he managed a resort uh, for Disneyland, uh, a resort ho hotel, and, and uh, he was asked to let go of 500 of his employees. And then the, and then the next day, they called him into the office, and they let him go. And he still doesn't have that, that job back. We lost our space and still don't have it back or a legitimate space at this point right now. We have finally grown back to where we were, but we're still meeting outdoors. It's hard. More importantly, our people are hurting. They got hit financially. It feels like this is the season where all of the things that happened like a year and a half ago or a year ago are now finally coming to fruition. All the negative stuff with the financial burdens and the spiritual burdens and the mental burdens and all of these things, and they're hurting. We're hurting, but God is faithful. I see it in this room this morning. Could you believe that there was a pandemic? Like, I can't believe it. God is faithful. God is moving, and he moved in our church. And in August of last year, we had our first public gathering. In August of last year, I know a little later, we're in California. We had our first public gathering in August, and we baptized our first young man. One of those baristas that came early on who, had recently, who has recently now been called into full-time ministry. Amen. And, and on Palm Sunday this year, Palm Sunday, we went to the Pacific Ocean and baptized six people. Amen. And then just last week, just a week ago, we baptized two more. God is faithful. Amen. God is moving. He's moving with us. And I'll end with this and the band can come up. 
Like Jeremiah, it might be scary. Listen, as I close, it might be scary. We might feel ill-equipped, inexperienced, unuseful, unqualified, but God can move mountains through those who simply say yes. Have you said yes to Jesus today? In the end, God encouraged Jeremiah with these words, and I'll end with this. Verse 17, it says this, now get ready. He's telling Jeremiah, now get ready, stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Do not be intimidated by them or I will cause you to cower before them. Today I am the one who has made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the population. They will fight against you, but you Uh, They will fight against you, but never prevail over you, since I am with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. He says this, a fortified city, an iron pillar, bronze walls. These are solid, unshakable, and God is telling Jemiah, attack you they will, but overcome you they cannot. The person who stands with God will always win. Amen? God has called you. Has God called you? Do you know what that calling is? If you spent time with God, do you know God's calling on your life? Then he will fulfill his purposes in you. He will equip you. He will enable you. He will protect you. He will provide for you. What is keeping you from fulfilling this purpose? What is keeping you from saying yes to God's calling? Remember that God himself came to earth. He lived a perfect life, died a horrible death. He did all of this to bring us into union with the Father, to redeem us, to restore us, because he wants a relationship with us, life and life everlasting. We exist to declare that testimony to the world. That is our purpose. The question is, how and where are you being called to do so? You can close your eyes. We're going to respond in a few different ways and this morning. And, and I love response time. Some people skip over it. I love our response time um, because as, as we come to worship, worship is a response. Amen? Worship is a time where we respond back to God, but not just through music, not through the words that we sing, but how we listen and how we respond to the word that God has given us. And, and I know the Lord has spoken to, to many this morning. And it's our turn, our time to respond. A few moments ago, we were in a season of receiving. Now we are in a time and a season of responding. God is calling us to respond this morning. How is God calling you to respond? It might be in a few different ways. Maybe God is calling you right now. You're hearing the gospel for the first time. Maybe for the second time, maybe for the third time, you're hearing the story about what Jesus has done and you've said no for a while. And because of that, you're floating. And it's time for you this morning to say yes to Jesus, to give your life to him. Would you respond in that way this morning? Maybe for some of you, you felt the calling of God on your life, on your heart. And whatever that looks like, man, I know I'm supposed to be serving in this way and, and, and I know I just like my sleep and I'm just going to sleep in a little longer. But I know God's calling me. Maybe this morning God is calling you to serve this church in a new way. Maybe God is, is calling you to risk it all and, 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 and be called into ministry or God's calling you uh, to, 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 to do something this morning. You, you know it, but you keep saying no because there's no way I can do that. 
I'm too scared. I'm too nervous. I don't have all the answers in front of me. I don't know how it's going to end, so I'm going to say no. Maybe it's time for you this morning to respond and say yes to God today. There's that neighbor that, that you know that you're supposed to ask to come to church, but you keep saying no because you're afraid of how they're going to respond. Say yes to God today. Respond to him and commit that you are going to ask them this week to come to church. Or maybe you're in a season of faithfulness and you're in the middle of the calling. But it's hard. But God is moving. You've seen God move. And so your response this morning is to stand in a moment as we sing and praise and lift your hands and give glory to God for what he is doing in your life. You say, hey, listen, there's no way I can do this on my own. I am literally walking in this calling by faith, knowing that God is providing every single step of the way. And I'm going to praise and thank God for what he is doing in my life. God, we love you and we thank you, and we need you this morning. Would you move in this place? Would you call us to respond as we, as we sing in a moment, Lord? Would your Holy Spirit fall on this place, and it be so heavy on our lives that it would just compel us to respond to you this morning? Would you call us to respond this morning, dear Lord? We ask all of these things in your precious name. And all God's people said, amen.